This is No Love Live with Pastor Tim Warholic. Tim is the senior pastor of Paradise Calvary Chapel in Las Vegas, Nevada. One more announcement before we get into the Bible study. Check this out. This is our very own Paradise Calvary Chapel devotional for next year, 2019. This book has been written, uh, edited, and produced by our church. It's been written. I forgot what I was going to say. It's been written by people who attend our church. So if you want to follow along with us, it's called A Year in Paradise. Aww. Everybody say aww. A Year in Paradise. You can follow along with us. They're at the information station. We're going to go through that devotional book together next year as a church. All the proceeds from the book are going into our building a fund because by the grace of God, our church is growing and it's blessed and we're going to try to get into our own building. Amen? Amen. Amen. So I'm in the wrong portion of scripture. But if anybody needs a Bible, please raise your hand so we can get you a Bible. You can follow along. Our main portion of text this morning is going to be in Matthew chapter 13. We're going to be continuing our series. The series title is Arrival. That's the series of studies that we've been going through. And the title of today's message is Receive Him Well. We have three different titles that we're Coming from the last three weeks, the number, the, the first one of our series was, does anybody remember what it was? You said it. Prepare him room. Okay, what was the title of the second one? Declare him good. And today it's going to be receive him well. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and we'll jump right into the text this morning. Father, we thank you for our church family, for those who you are moving and working in and through their lives. We pray, Lord, that we would, we would be able to look more like you in this Christmas season, that we would be able to love and give grace and mercy and do all the things that, that you do on behalf of us so that people can come to know you, so that we can be genuine-looking believers and, and, and living our lives out in what we say we believe, God, that it would be manifested and that fruit would come from it. Thank you, God, for that time of worship. We pray, Lord, that you would bless the fruit of our lips as we worship you with our mouth. We pray, Father, that you bless this time of study in your word and that we would be doing it as a form and time of worship as well. And then our tithes and offerings, what we give to you, God, we pray that you would bless it, that you would uh, take care of your church as you have and continue to and, and bless this sweet fellowship that we have together in Jesus' name. Prepare him room, declare him good, receive him well. There has to be a preparation in your life before there can be a declaration. If you are not prepared, you're not going to know what to share. I do the word rhymes for your benefit, not for mine. Amen. Okay? We looked at Ahimaaz in the Old Testament. Remember, Ahimaaz was the messenger, and he's at the front lines. He's, he's at the war, but not at the front lines. And it's time to deliver the message to King David that his son Absalom has died, and he has won the war, the fight, the rebellion that came against King David. And Ahimaaz says, I want to go, I want to go. And, and Joab says, you, you may not go. You do not have the fullness of the message. You are not prepared I need to send somebody who is prepared. So the Cushite, let's call him Cushy for fun. He's going to be the one that takes the message to King David because he knows what happened. Because the Cushite was what, church? He was prepared. He was prepared. So this Christmas season, as we get closer to Christmas, the question is, are we prepared to declare what God is doing in our lives. And then, and then today is to receive Him well. 
Because you receive things, right, all the time. I'm going to ask you a question, and I want you to be honest with me. Have any of you here ever re-gifted a present before? Good job. See, look at you guys. This was the first year I did it. I always felt really bad. I just, I don't know, you know. But the bad thing is, so see, most of you didn't even get me a present, so it doesn't matter to you. Now you feel bad, as you should. I don't know if that person who gave me that gift would be upset with me, but I don't think they should. Do you know why? Because their intentions in giving me the gift were good. Their intentions, that's what, they, they did their part. I received it. I'm happy to receive. I'm blessed to receive. And, and I'm thankful like that they thought of me. But, you know, it could benefit somebody else better than it benefited me. I'll tell you the story I may have shared before. I can't remember now, but Grace and I were just newly married. We didn't have any kids yet. Oh, man, those were the days. <laughs> and we were going to another little boy's birthday party. He was turning four years old, and this kid really liked me for some reason. And I was, like, mad about kids. I'm like, kids are whatever, you know? Like, I, I'm sure, I'll have some kids or whatever, and, and, but they're, they're, they're cool. I like to play with them, but they can be annoying, and you can go home and whatever. So I was going to this birthday party for this four-year-old kid. And as we're going there, um, I said to my wife, I said, so what did, what did we get him? And she said, well, I got some stickers and stuff. And I'm like, oh, okay, he's four-year-old, he'll like that. And I was like, man, this kid really looks up to me. I didn't get him anything. Like, I can't give a four-year-old kid stickers with hearts and puppy dogs. No, I, I'm a man. I got to get him a man gift so that he can appreciate the relationship that we have. And I was like, but I didn't get him anything. I feel bad. And at that moment, I looked down, and there was a unique looking kind of rock on the ground. It was, it looked different. I liked it. I liked the way it looked. So I picked up the rock. I put it in my pocket and I got to the party and he's open in his presence. And I said, Hey buddy, guess what? I got you the sweetest thing. You're going to love this thing. I got you a pet rock. And he's like, this is the best present I've ever gotten in my life. And for the rest of the day, I kid you not, he played with this rock. He named it, tied a little string around it, took it for walks and stuff like that. And his mother was so mad at me, like so. And I'm like, listen, it's not that big of a, it's more about the intention, right, of the giver. But the, the question is, how do we receive the gift? That's the question for us today. How do you receive the gift? Because that's what it's all about right now in this season. God has given you great and exceedingly precious promises. He's given you a gift that cannot be matched by anybody in the world. He's given his son, Jesus Christ, as a gift to us. How will we receive him? Many of you, if you have kids as parents, you know that Christmas is going to come and the toys are going to be open, the, the gifts are going to be unwrapped, and those toys that you spent hard-earned Google time on, <laughs> what does a 10-year-old want for Christmas? I don't know. It's so different now. You spent hard-earned time on Google, and you spent money, your hard-earned money, and those gifts are going to be taken and received, and they're going to be like, oh, thanks, Mom and Dad, and they're going to put it over on the side, and they're going to play in the box for a few hours. <laughs> you and I both know you should have just got them boxes. Imagine unwrapping a box. That would be pretty sweet. Like, what, what is it? It's nothing. It's a box. It's for you, son. Play in it. Let us make a tunnel. And we will go to another world. And then it'll be like, yeah, it'll be awesome because you're going to play with them in the box. <laughs> to be able to receive something well, I believe that you also have to be prepared. <laughs> I believe that you have to be prepared so that when that thing comes, you're able to receive it and you're able to receive it well. 
And if God is continuing to work in your life, church, which he is and he does, he wants you to be prepared to declare and prepared to receive his word well in your life to receive what he has for you this season, not to kick against the goads, not to act like you're ungrateful, not to not take full advantage of the gift that he's given you. So when you look at Matthew chapter 13, which is where we're going to be at this morning, we see a parable, a story that Jesus tells of four different kind of people. The parable of the sower, which is where we are this morning. Let's begin in chapter 13, verse 1. On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea. And great multitudes were gathered together to him so that he got into a boat and sat and the whole multitude stood on the shore. I can see in my mind's eye now, a couple months ago, God blessed me to be able to go to Israel and I can see this spot in my mind with the throng of people choking out the space between them and Jesus. And Jesus needing a little space, which I need space from people too. This front row makes me uncomfortable. Thank you, nobody, for sitting there. Thank you, everybody, for not sitting there. So he's in a boat, he's a little removed, and he's preaching to the crowd. A vast multitude of people who are listening. But, but check this out. As he tells this parable, it's also telling of the condition and the state of the people. Who's the people? The people are us to one degree or another. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away, and some fell among the thorns. And the thorns sprang up and choked them, and others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has an ear, let him hear. Has there been very many times that you have read verses like that and you thought to yourself or asked yourself, do I have ears to hear? They were all hearing it, a vast multitude of people. But did they have ears to hear? Oh God, I want to be in a place today, hopefully regularly, but especially right now, that as you speak to me, I am prepared to receive your word into my life. I'm prepared to receive on good soil and that the most produce can come from my life based on the preparedness that my heart is in. And notice what he says too. He says, he, say, he reverses it. Instead of saying 30, 60, 100 or 30, 60, 90, 100, he says 160 and 30, which I think is interesting. Because if, you know, my OCD, I, I wouldn't give the extra 10. I'd say 30, 60, 90 and then throw in 100 or whatever. But this person, this last person is 100 fold, 100 fold. Look at those in percentages. God wants to sow into your life. You can take that seed that's sown. In fact, I don't believe that this is only speaking of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but this is the living and powerful word of God on a regular basis in your life. And you can have a 30 percentile increase from your life because of that word that's sown. Does that sound pretty good? I don't know, if my kids came home and got 30%, I wouldn't be happy. But 30% is not a zero. 30% is, is something, it's progress. And he says 60%, how about a 60% production rate from your life based on the word of God being sown in your life? Is that good? Well, in this context, it's good. But then the hundredfold the hundred guy, man, that's over the top. He is producing 100% of the effect of God's word in his life or her life. 
Is that good? Man, that's good. How much fruit do you produce based on you having ears to hear and receiving what God has to speak to you this season? Are you in the 30 percentile? 60? 100? Better question, where do you want to be? Because based on where you want to be is the degree that you will start to prepare to be able to produce that much. Does this make sense to you guys? God is doing a work in your life. He's cultivating the soil of your heart. Your heart is in a certain place. We're going to break it down here in a minute and look at it. The question is, what in my preparedness am I willing to receive the word of God to produce fruit that glorifies him? And the disciples in verse 10 came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? He answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand, and in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive, for the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, their eyes have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For assuredly, I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desire to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. I was talking to a brother one time who's a pastor of a smaller church in Southern California. And he said to me, after this pastor's conference, we went to In-N-Out because that's what you do when you are in Southern California or any day Anywhere there is an in and out, that's what you do. You go there. And he said to me, you know, I've just finally got to the place, I think, where I'm just okay with having a small church. And I'm like, I don't understand what you mean. He's like, you know, these guys, they're gifted and they have these, these, they're eloquent and they communicate well. And that's just not me. And and it's my fault. And I'm happy that that they they, they are successful, but I'm never going to be successful. And I said, shame on you. Shame on you that you would not put the confidence in God and his word being sown in people's hearts. Stop it. Don't say that again, and don't, especially don't say it to me. Because God is faithful to produce fruit in our lives if we are the ones who are willing to be prepared to receive his, heart, his, his word on good soil. And look at the multitude. Jesus is in a boat. The multitude are all, I, you know, like I said, I can see they're all like spread out on the side and he's teaching them. And none of them could receive what he was saying. There's a lot of them. But they couldn't receive what Jesus was saying. They didn't have eyes to see or ears to hear. And you look at these big mega churches, and I don't want to come down on them. I'm not trying to be rude. I'm not trying to say that there's no place for them, whatever. But you see these big mega churches, and you have 5,000 people sitting in a, in a service, and, and you wonder how many people have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Because I would rather you, church, be here this morning with ears to hear what the Holy Spirit has to say than go watch a show because it's a good production. With all due respect, we want you to have ears to hear. We want you to have eyes to see. God wants to continue to work and move in your life. He will guaranteed. Make sure you're prepared for it. 
go to church on Sunday morning or Wednesday night or Christmas Eve tomorrow night with an expectation that God is about to speak to you. Why? Because he is. It's not me. I'm a loser. God is faithful to continue to bring his word, to sow it into your life and to cause you to, pr to produce fruit. Here's a key word for us when we look at the multitude who were dull of hearing. It says, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts in turn so that I should heal them. Where's the understanding? If you're in a context Let's say right now where you lack understanding uh, on what is being preached, proclaimed, or taught to you, you have every opportunity to seek out help to understand it. This church is crazy. I have people tell me this. I believe them. They're like, you guys are crazy. We have stuff going on every night of the week, which is how it should be. We have people who signed up for a Bible college. We have over 30 people going to a Bible college on Tuesday nights when, when that's unheard of. We have stuff every night of the week almost. People are hungry. You have every opportunity to come to one of those services and ask questions if you don't have understanding. Do not allow your ability to not understand to prohibit you from having ears to hear and eyes to see. Okay? Just ask. Ask me. I used to give my phone number out. You know what? Don't ask me. Ask the person sitting next to you. Leave me alone. <laughs> There's somebody that will be willing to talk to you to help you have understanding so the fullness of what God wants to do can be active in your life. Do you want to be one of the multitude that would follow Jesus around at a distance or do you want to be those who are the closest to him? He's like, you two. You three, come up with me on the mountain. I want you to come with me. You guys all wait here. You 11, you 12, you come with me. We're going to go do this. We're going to go do that. That's what I want to be. I want to be as close to Jesus as possible, right? I want to be near him, prepared to hear what he has to say to move forward in the right direction. Not just be a cow, like cattle, you know what I mean? Like... You're a cow, <laughs> just cattle driven in the direction that it needs to go, cared for, helped. I want to be the one. I want to be the one that hears. I want to be the one that is prepared to hear. Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For assuredly, I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Jesus recognizes that these people are willing, able, and prepared to hear the word of God. And this is when he breaks it down in verse 18. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. Well, I love this too. Right? He's, like, he's like, to you guys, it's been given. But I know you're dumb, so let me explain it to you. I'll give you the real meaning if you don't get the big picture. Here it is. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When everyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. If in this context you hear something that you do not understand, you are more than able, in fact, encouraged to talk to me about it, to ask me. But if it's just left undone, if you're not willing to turn to your neighbor and say, what in the world is that guy talking about? If you're not willing, what's going to happen? The enemy's going to come, snatch it away, and it's not going to have any place in your life. Understanding. This is he who received seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. 
this is really bad. I shouldn't say this. And I, but I said it in the first service, so I feel like I have to say it to you guys and to the whole world that's watching on Facebook Live. Hi, guys. Listen, I'm going to say it. All right. So there's two kinds of people that come to church that I meet. I meet new people. If you're new here, God bless you. I love you. Don't be offended, please. But there's two kinds of people. And we joke about this on our ministry team. Somebody comes in, they're like, oh my gosh, this church is amazing. And I love it. And I'm coming to the next thing. When's the next study? And sign me up to volunteer. I want to go in kids ministry. I want to do all these things. This is the best church I've ever been. I'm like, wow, that's incredible. Thank you. I'm so blessed to hear that, that you've received it like that. And I never see that person again. Not one, per, not one time in my, the rest of my life, and that has happened multiple times. And I'm like, I wonder what happened to that person who was really excited. You know, it, it's kind of weird. And then you have the opposite kind of person who they come in, they're new, they listen, they nod, they give me a smirk smile when I tell a joke. They're like, this guy's a loser, but here, here you go, ha ha, you're not funny. Um, whatever, it's fine. And then, and then the worship, last worship song happens, and then kind of slip out and the next thing you know they're here three years four years later and it's just they received they understood they 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 cultivated something in their life and it, and it, it started to produce fruit that's healthy and we joke about it because it is true when you hear the word of god the word of god is exciting the message of god's word is super exciting but it doesn't matter how you respond to it initially. It matters how, how it produces fruit in you in the long run. It, it matters what happens in your life over time because God is in the business of changing people's lives. Does anybody here want their life changed? I want my life changed. I want to continue to grow. I want to continue. He who began a good work in you is faithful in Christ Jesus to bring it to completion. I want that to happen. Think of completeness. Yes, please, God, do this work in my life so I continue to produce fruit on your behalf for your glory so that it can be a testimony and a witness to other people here on this rock hurtling through outer space. Why is your life different? Because God is working in my life. Do you know what's funny? When you're a Christian and you're following the Lord and you're seeking him, God reveals himself to you. You will be changed and other people will want to be like you. Which kind of sounds weird a little bit, right? I want to be like him. I want to be like her. That person has a good perspective on life. But the world is the opposite. If it's in vanity, I don't want to be like them. Or I do, but for the wrong reasons. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. I need to back up to verse 5, if you would, with me in your Bibles and, and identify what kind of person this rocky soil person is. So some fell on stony places. This is the original parable that he, that he gives. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. What would you say a good definition of having no depth of earth would be? Anybody? Shallow. Shallow people. They're not, there's not much depth. They just take it at face value and, and that's just the way that it is. It, it doesn't have any grounding, rooting effect in their life. We went through Ecclesiastes and there's that one verse that talks about there's a time to gather the stones together. There's a time, time to scatter the stones, throw them away. If you're a farmer and you have a field and it's full of stones, you're not going to leave the stones there. What you do is you collect the stones and you throw them out so that the soil is good and can be used to, to plant the seed to yield a greater crop, right? 30, 60, 100 fold. You take those stones and you throw them out to make room. What stones are in your life right now prohibiting the word of God from producing more fruit in your life? Maybe it's time to throw them out. Maybe it's time to evaluate the things that, that may have caused us to become shallow in our receiving of the word of God. 
And as we make room, as we create the fertile soil, we prepare, we are able to bear more fruit. He has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. If anybody tells you that becoming a Christian is going to make your life smooth sailing, everything's beautiful and fine, hunky-dory, puppy dog paws and tails and kitties and rainbows and sparklers and, and did I say rainbows already? Unicorns, I miss unicorns. They're lying to you. It's not a right representation of what it means to walk and understand and know who God is. Why? Because there's resistance out there. There's going to be a resisting to what God is doing in your life. There's going to come up times that are difficulty, and that's why we have each other. That's why you have the person sitting next to you, so they can give you a hand and help you out. It's better if two walk together, for if one falls, there's somebody else there to help him up. Or if one falls into a pit, you can laugh at them because a pit is clearly visible. And then you can help them out after you laugh at them, which is exactly what I would do. So you're together, you're helping each other, you're there for each other. Your hearts are cultivated with good soil so that you can receive the word of God and produce fruit. But you are not going to produce fruit if the soil is not prepared. It's so simple. Now, verse 22, he who received seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. How many people are poor here? Hey, it's all right. Poor, monetarily rich in spirit. Amen? Amen. How many of you would like to win the lottery sometime? Yeah, why not? Who could you, I could use a few hundred million dollars. <laughs> I could buy a boat. <laughs> They're expensive to maintain too. How many, how, have you, how many of you have ever pulled up stories of people on the internet who have won the, the lottery and where they are now? There are people documented that have won the lottery megabucks that say now, I wish I never won the lottery. Do you think that those words would ever come out of your mouth? Why? Because there was an expectation in what, in what being rich or what having money would bring, would do, and there's some kind of satisfaction, and I wouldn't have any worries, and I wouldn't have any problems anymore, and it's a lie. It's a lie. What does it say? The deceitfulness of riches. You think by being financially in a better place, you're going to be happier, but everybody knows that when you have more money, you have more problems. <laughs> everybody knows that. Going back to my roots. <laughs> riches are deceitful. And, and he says, if you have weeds and thorns growing and the seed is sown and it comes up, but the cares, how many of you have any cares? Anybody careless? Oh, oh. Anybody careless? Yeah, good for you guys. I've got cares <laughs> to the point where I don't even know if I care anymore. <laughs> I've got problems. Do I allow the world and the cares of this world to take a precedent over the word of God sown in my life? Well, that's great. The Bible says that. That's great, but that doesn't apply to me. Well, why not? Because I've got problems. And your life doesn't look like my life. And you haven't been through the things that I've been through. Well, I can tell you what, Jesus has. Jesus in all ways was tempted as you and did not sin to the point of shedding his own blood, Hebrews tells us. So he knows. So you got somebody to talk to that can give you that comfort and help you get through that season 
of unfruitfulness because of the cares and the concerns and the worries of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. Money is not going to make anything better. Money is going to make things more difficult. And if you cut the, cut the weeds out, cut the thorns out, cut the things that cause concern, cut the cares out, cut them off and cultivate the soil that God's word is his word and it will accomplish that which he set it out to accomplish. And all you are required to do is have a prepared heart to receive it so that you can produce fruit. It's so simple, but at the same time, it's so profound. I have people come to me for counseling and they say, hey, this is what's happening. I need help. And I say, okay, this is what the Bible says and this is what you have to do and this is what you have to stop doing. Got it? Got it. Are you gonna do it? Yep. Time goes by, month or two, six months later, they come back. This is my problem and I need help. And I say, well, did you do what I told you to do? And they say, what did you tell me to do? Uh, I see the problem here. Um, well, this is what the Bible says. This is what you got to start doing. And this is what you got to stop doing. And they say, oh yeah, I didn't do that. Don't expect any difference to happen if there's no discipline applied. Because discipline is, is helpful for you. You know, I used to think of that word discipline as like a father, you know, or God our Father bending me over his proverbial knee and giving me a little, you know, a little spanking, a little discipline. I can't, I'm not even allowed, legally allowed to say that, I don't think. I don't know why I just did. I'm probably going to go to jail. But um, <laughs> discipline is some physical, you know, connection to remind you of which direction you should be going in. We don't like discipline, but that's not necessarily the only or the right definition of what discipline is. Discipline is going through something that's hard for a fruitful benefit. It's like those people that do like the Olympics and stuff. It's intense discipline so that they can do what? They can get a medal. What Paul says in his language, he also talks about the games and exercise. He says they get a wreath on their head, the Athenian games, right? That's perishable. It's not even going to last. But you do so with discipline for a reward that will last for all eternity. Do you understand that the preparedness of your heart, listen to this, the preparedness of your heart to receive the word of God and produce fruit, produces fruit unto eternity. It has an eternal benefit. What kind of benefit is that? That's a glorious benefit. That's an incredible benefit. And yeah, it's hard up front. It's difficult. But as you get connected, engage with God in a prayer life, spiritual discipline, prayerful discipline, reading the word discipline, attending church and getting connected discipline, your life is going, 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 going to produce fruit. Your heart is going to be prepared to receive the seed and you are going to, going, going to produce fruit, not just for your benefit, for, but for the benefit of everybody else else that's around you as well. And the Bible teaches us that the fruit that comes from our life is the glory of God. That even makes it more beautiful than it is because fruit's great. Fruit's cool. I like fruit. I like smoothies, the whole nine yards. But, but when the fruit that is manifested in my life is identified as the glory of God on earth, that's incredible, church. That's incredible, and to, for you to be a person and a conduit that God can use to bring fruitfulness from and allow his glory to dwell in and through is, is, is be over my head remarkable. 
So it's not just for our benefit. We want to win the lottery. We want to be happy in life. It's for an eternal purpose that God says, I, I want you guys to have ears to hear. I want you guys to have eyes to see. I, I get that you don't see the big picture. I understand that life has rocks and is thorny sometimes and, and, and it's deceitful. But I want you to understand that if you're in this place of, of being prepared by having a fertile soil in your heart to receive my word, you are going to produce fruits. So to tie it all back together, this Christmas season, in a couple days from now, are you ready to receive? Are you ready to receive what God wants to, to, to start to move and do in your heart? You know, I used to do a lot of street evangelism. I mean, a lot. We lived in Croatia. And I did this thing that's pretty effective, I guess. Um, it, it worked. I had an iPhone. It was an iPhone 1. You know what? Before uh, Steve Jobs came up with the iPhone, I thought of it. <laughs> I thought, you know, I would love to have a phone that was almost, it was like that it was smart and that it had a flashlight, like a, like a Swiss Army knife, you know? It had a flashlight and it had a calculator and you could do other things on it other than just calling and texting people. And I think somebody told him of my idea. And then he came up with this iPhone. <laughs> so in Croatia, iPhones were twice as much as they were in the States and other parts of the world too, partly because of the 25% tax, which is kind of oh, a bit much, I, I'd say. 25% sales tax there still to this day. So you buy a car for 20 grand, you pay five grand in taxes. Um, so I would say, uh, sharing the gospel with somebody, I say, you know, the key to the gospel is, is repentance, but really the, 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 the key key of the gospel is you have to receive it. And I would pull my iPhone out. And they're like, oh, is that an iPhone? I'm like, this is an iPhone. You, hey, you haters out there. <laughs> it's just fun. It's just for fun. I say, yeah, this is an iPhone. I really like it. It was my idea, and my friend took my idea. But anyway, here, go ahead. You can have it. You want it? You can. You want it? Go ahead. Oh, you have, you have one? Anybody else? <laughs> Anybody want it? Anybody want it? And nine times, 9.9 .9 times out of 10, they wouldn't reach out and take it out of my hand. And this is why. Because they thought I was weird. Because they thought I was joking. Because they thought he's not really going to give me his phone. Maybe he is. And they hesitate. No, he would not. That's silly. He's going to make me look dumb. But what if I get a free iPhone? You know, oh, man, I don't know what to do. Um, and they would never take it. Do you know the key to receiving the gospel is actually just receiving it? Receiving it for all of its goodness and glory. Receiving forgiveness of your sins. Reconciliation to God. Uh, starting to cultivate and have a fertile heart to receive God's word and produce fruit. It's just part of it. The, the, the most important part is receiving. Have you seen this YouTube video? There's this guy who has a gold bar and he's got um, Hershey's chocolate bars. Have you guys seen this? It's really cool. He goes on the street. I think it's New York. And he's like, I'm going to try to give, I'm going to give people the opportunity. I've got five or 10 Hershey's chocolate bars and I've got a, a literal gold bar. And he walks up to people on the street. He's like, hey, choice is yours. What do you want? What are you going to take? He gave away every single chocolate bar. Not one person took the gold bar over a chocolate bar. He's like, they don't know, but they could have taken this gold bar. They could have probably bought Hershey's, you know, candy bars for the rest of their life. And if they would have taken it, I would have given it to them. But they perceived something with great value. And because that they, they didn't think that, that he was telling them the truth, they'd rather settle for something that was a, a lot more temporal. And how often do we do that in our lives? 
where we look at the promises of God, we look at the glory of God, we look at him saying, I want you guys to have eyes to see. I want you to have ears to hear. I want your, your, your soil of your hearts to be fertile to receive so that you can produce a, an abundance. But we're like, God doesn't really want that for me. God doesn't really want me to have peace. God doesn't really want me to not worry. He really does. He really does. So God, in this season, help us, allow us to be like the 30, 60, and 100-fold person so we can not only produce fruit that benefits us, but fruit that demonstrates your glory. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it. Do you know there's a lot of churches that you go out, that you can go to these days that have moved away from teaching the Bible as God's word. They've moved, I'm not kidding, they've moved away from it because it's better and easier to just play Oprah and talk about our feelings and how we feel about things. Sorry, I don't want to offend anybody who likes Oprah. She's all right, I guess. I never met her. But talk about our feelings, how we feel about things. Listen, God's word is powerful. It's living and active, and it's sharper than any double-edged sword. And we go chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and ask God, what do you want us to learn from this? How can we plant these seeds? What are we going to produce? Flip with me in your Bibles over to John, the Gospel of John chapter 1 in conclusion today. I started off in Revelation, which was way too far right. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. The word of God is proclaimed. Those who understand and comprehend will be in the light. Those who do not understand, remember, understand and comprehend are in the darkness. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own did not not receive him, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. To who? To who what? To whoever received him. This is not forced. This is not something you can be born into. It's something that you're prepared for and you're able to receive. And those who received him had the right to become children of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And he beheld, we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried out saying, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me is preferred before me for he was before me and of his fullness, we have all received the grace for grace. Oh Lord, you guys know what grace is? Grace is unmerited favor. And he says, and of his fullness, we have all received grace for an abundance, an overflowing of grace. 
God really wanted me to understand what his grace looked like. That's why he gave me a wife whose name is Grace. He wants you to understand. So look at her. Just kidding. Look at me because I learned. Just kidding. Look at him. Look to him who not only has grace for you, but his desire, his passion for you is that you would be able to receive it. Receive. Grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we do ask You today to help us in the process of preparation for declaration. We want to prepare to declare You, who You are, Your goodness, Your greatness, Your awesomeness, Your glory. But we truly need ears to hear what your spirit says to your church. We need eyes to see. We ask for cultivated soil that receives your word to produce fruit. And if there's any rocks in there, you take care of them for us. We wouldn't be lazy in that prayer either, but if there's any rocks that you could help us identify what they are to remove them for the benefit of being more fruitful in your name, if those cares and worries and concerns and deceitfulness of riches tends to be growing in the garden that that is supposed to produce fruit unto you, God, we pray that you would also show us that, help us identify so we could cut it out just cut it out to have cultivated ready soil to receive your word that your glory can be known through us to men and women that we see here on earth God I pray that you bless my brothers and sisters Father I pray that you bless your church allow us to understand what it looks like to receive you in this season for and unto your glory. Definitely for our benefit. We definitely benefit by our relationship with you, but unto more fruitfulness for your glory to be displayed. We believe and we pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen.